0: Welcome to Lifelines, this is John Augustine. This program has been on the air every Wednesday morning for the last 13 years, and we are finally getting around to George Washington, the first and most important leader in American history. Americans living above a certain line of latitude are partial to Abe Lincoln, in many ways a more interesting and sympathetic figure than Washington. Lincoln's efforts preserved the United States, but without Washington, there might not have been a United States to preserve. I had hoped to find a compact, well-written biography by a major American historian, and I found one, His Excellency George Washington by Joseph Ellis. Don't be put off by the excellency title. That's how George's contemporaries addressed him and reveals how they felt about him. But Washington understood how power works and used his status to prop up his very shaky cause. To his credit, the title never evolved into Your Majesty. Like most extraordinary people, Washington was born into a very ordinary family. But he was ambitious to be prominent and prosperous. The most famous story from his childhood, where he chopped down his father's cherry tree and could not tell a lie to deny it, is probably not taught in many schools today, but generations of American children were raised on it. Chapter one in the George Washington mythology. And it was mythical, never happened, any more than his tossing a silver dollar across the Potomac River. At the supposed point of that feat, the river is 250 feet wide, four-fifths of a football field, and a football is more aerodynamic than a coin. Besides, George was not the lad to squander a dollar. He began his heroic career in his 20s as a completely untrained officer in the French and Indian War. After surviving a series of disastrous battles, he became commander of the Virginia Regiment. A man of passionate emotions, he learned the importance of self-control in command. While he could exercise caution against larger forces, in battle he was absolutely fearless, standing firm against the deadliest assaults. All this would be remembered 20 years later when the Continental Congress went looking for a commander in chief of the American army. After three and a half years service in his first war, he resigned his commission and turned his ambition to prosperity. He had inherited the family plantation at Mount Vernon and to that farm he brought his new wife, Martha, one of the richest widows in Virginia and her two children. Her dowry made George wealthy and he grew tobacco and went fox hunting, a prominent gentleman planter. As on all large farms of the day, the heavy work was done by slave labor. Later, in the Revolutionary War, all the common soldiers were volunteers, and Washington accepted African-American volunteers and assigned them to the same companies as the white soldiers. American black and white men would not serve in the same company again until the Korean War. Washington had some reservations about taking command, feeling ill-prepared for such responsibility, which was true. He had never commanded a unit larger than a regiment. He had no experience deploying artillery or manipulating cavalry and no background in military engineering. On the other hand, he wasn't stupid. When a smallpox epidemic threatened his troops, he ordered mandatory vaccinations for every soldier. Imagine that. And he was a much admired man with an impressive military record, albeit two decades old. And he had something more. If he was not larger than life, he was impressively large at six foot two, a good head taller than most men of his generation, with broad shoulders and a sturdy form. Add to that, he was one of the finest horsemen in Virginia, horse country then and now. And Washington in the saddle was an inspiring figure. This was a man you could look up to. Though, in a historical irony, he was probably sterile, childless in his long marriage to Martha. This did not prevent him, however, from becoming the father of his country. The American amateur troops were outmanned and outgunned in many early battles, but they won the important ones. Washington crossing the Delaware on Christmas night to attack Trenton is the stuff of legend. General Gates of his staff defeated the British at Saratoga, which lifted military and American spirits. Professional officers from France and Germany signed on and became Washington's closest friends and constant advisors. And in what Ellis calls the most consequential battle in American history at Yorktown, they secured the British surrender. It was certainly one of the most incredible underdog military victories of all time. Washington bid farewell to his officers at the Francis Tavern in New York City, a tavern that still exists in the original building. He resigned his commission and returned to private life, but not for long. His country had further plans for him, which we will pursue in another program. This is Lifelines, I'm John Augustine.